Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain and I am on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. I created this podcast to give a voice to passionate small and medium entrepreneurs around the world. I hope that the stories, practical tips and advice my guests share will inspire you to better navigate your own entrepreneurship journey. Hi, thank you for joining Interviews. Today, I am with Adam Posner, the founder of NHP Talent Group and fellow podcaster. He's based in New York City, USA. Hey, Adam, thank you very much for joining me today. Laurent, my man, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Good. Well, let's start then. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Oh, man, where, where do I even start? So I, I am a, a born and raised New Yorker, something that I take a tremendous amount of pride in. And I knew even before I went to university that I was going to get into business somehow. It was always in my blood. Uh, even, right. even, when I was in, even when I was in high school, you know, I, um, I, I, I did like a, a business program where we competed in various business competitions and I sold ski goggles. That was my category. It was wholesale <laughs> selling and I sold ski goggles um, and it was awesome. And I, and I got all the way up to the state finals and it was incredible. But long story long, as we like to say, you know, I went to university, studied business communications, came out of school, jumped right into advertising and marketing here in New York, spent some time at a bunch of different ad agencies. I went client side. I spent time at, not sure if you guys are familiar, uh, with satellite radio, Sirius XM satellite radio, which is home um, of, of Howard Stern, if you mm. guys are familiar with him. Uh, and then I went over to American Express, where I learned uh, more D DTC e-commerce marketing, subscription-based marketing, which was fantastic. Uh, you know, tremendous time there. I went back to advertising world for a little bit. And then I found myself working over at VaynerMedia for the great Gary Vaynerchuk, who I believe has gotten some international exposure. His name has been spreading across the world there. And I was working in advertising. Um, but I soon found, Laurent, that the grass was not greener for me on the other side. And it just wasn't the right position for me. It wasn't the right time in my life. And, you know, I did some things that were really counterproductive to my growth there. And ultimately, mm -hmm. I lost my job. And that was a tough one for me. I was 35 years old. We just bought a house. My daughter was about three at the time. And it was that moment in life when I had to pause and say, is this really what I want to be doing? Do I enjoy it? Do I enjoy getting up every day? Is it getting my juices flowing? Do I really like it? And I had to look in the mirror and the answer was no. And, you know, it was tough because I lost my job. You know, I got fired and I needed to figure out what was next for me. And, yeah. you know, it was at that moment, you know, it was at that moment, you know, I was sitting there with Gary Vee and, you know, he said to me, you know, the most important words of advice, you need to stop focusing on the things that you suck at and double down on your strengths. And honestly, you know, at the time I thought he was just saying that to give me some good wisdom as I walked out of the building and cried. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, you know, it, it forced me to really look deep down inside and have a moment of true introspective and say, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And all signs pointed towards recruiting. And I set off on the recruitment journey, my man. Right. Okay. So I was about to ask you what you're good at, but you just, <laughs> just answer. But it's interesting because you told me that when you, you, when you were at college, you had your, your first business and you were selling uh, ski goggles. But then you went to work for the copyright. And then after you had this moment, you lost your job and you look at, you look at, you know, deep down inside you, you decided that you will, you will follow the entrepreneurship path, right? So why didn't you follow that path earlier? Yeah. And that, that's a fantastic question. And, and I don't think the entrepreneurship path really, you know, came into my lap until about three years ago, you know, I was working in recruitment for a couple of different search firms. 
And you know what? I had one of those moments when I'm like, why do I, why am I working for other people? I could do this on my own. And I made the plunge, you know, and that was three years ago when I dipped my toes into the, into the entrepreneurship self-employed pool. Um, and honestly, Laurent, like I do not think I would be in a position of success that I am in now without having all that experience behind me. Now, right. no discredit. I mean, there's tons of young people that literally don't even go to college. They jump right in. They're starting businesses, but it's very different, right? We didn't have all that information you know, 19 years ago, 20 years ago, when I came out of college, you know, the internet was still early on and we didn't have all this robust, um, you know, repositories of education and learning. We didn't have all these people that were creating content on social media to mm. educate and teach you, you know, you needed that college education and you needed that real world life experience. So what is it to be an entrepreneur for you? For me, it comes down to, to one thing that the ultimate success or failure of my business rests on my shoulders and I'm the one who's ultimately responsible. And honestly, Laurent, for me, that is the ultimate motivation. I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to let myself down. Mm. Um, and there is no plan B. I remember when I launched my business, somebody said to me, he's one of my friends and he's like, so what's your backup plan? What's your backup plan? If this doesn't go the way you want it to go. And I go, there is no backup plan because the second you even think about a plan B, you're already admitting defeat and you don't want to have that mindset. And I learned that early on. There is no backup plan. This is a zero fail mission that I am on, sir. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a real, that's a real mission. <laughs> I mean, that is a mission. That is yeah. a mission because, and that keeps me focused, dude. Like that keeps me locked in, right? Because the second you start to think about, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go raise sheep in the, in the English countryside, right? Like that's not my plan B, right? You don't have a plan B. Like there is just zero fail, stay focused and do what you got to do to accomplish it. So you specialize in recruitment and I would like to talk a little bit about that because this is a very important topic and I'm sure you agree with me. But let's say I need to recruit my next talent for my own company. How should I proceed? Yeah, I mean, the first step really with any company is understanding exactly what you're looking for, right? Is it a new position or are you backfilling a position where somebody left, somebody got hired, somebody got fired, somebody quit? And understanding truly from a skill set perspective what this person needs to accomplish, right? What are, what are going to be those projects they're going to be working on and what are the skills they need to accomplish it? And then thinking about those soft skills, what personality, what characteristics really work well within our organization. And I don't like to use the expression fit, right? Fit is mm. like a puzzle piece. That's not what you want. You know, I truly think of people as a fabric within an organization and it's like a quilt, right? Each fabric is a different material, a different color, a different texture. And that's what makes up this beautiful quilt of an organization. You mm -hmm. don't want it to all look the same. You don't just want a great quilt, right? You want some color, you want some pop, you want it to, you know, have a texture and feel to it. It's so really thinking about, you know, what that, you know, ideal candidate looks like. And the ideal candidate could have different attributes, right? You know, each person could have different levels coming in there. So I think the first step is to really understand from a company perspective, what do we really need to get this job done? What does that look like? Okay. And the second step, Second step, now you got to find and hire those people, right? You got to go find them. Um, and recruiting is, uh, is, is interesting, right? So there's, there's two different aspects of recruiting. You have inbound and outbound. In a perfect world, the system is not broken. A company posts a job description. People mm -hmm. are interested in that company. People are qualified. They apply. The recruiter inside reviews the resumes. They start them into that interview process and you move it forward. Now, on the flip side of that, sometimes you go out and you got to find the right people. That's what true headhunting um, and recruiting is. And there's an art and science to that. There absolutely is. You know, the science part is really understanding where these people are, how to get in touch with them, 
right? And the art is that, that, that message, that communication, that feel in touch, having those conversations to really understand what that candidate's motivation is. You know, why does Laurent want to leave his current company? What is he not mm. getting there? Is he feeling undervalued? Is he feeling underappreciated? Is it a money thing? Does he have a new child on the way and they got to buy a new house because their house is too small? And literally he likes where he's working, but he needs to make more money so he can afford a bigger house. What is it? What is it going to get him there? And then what is it about this position, this company that really entices him? What is he like? And does it work for him? Right? So these are all these different aspects. And then obviously it has to fit on the employer side too. You know, is Laurent the right person for this role? Does he have the skills? Is he going to be set up for success? Is he the guy that we're looking for or gal? Right. I mean, I often uh, tell my uh, clients that when it comes to re recruiting, you know, you, they need to recruit the best people, but the best people for their company, which does not necessarily mean the best people in their field, right? It means the best, Correct. it means the people who have the, you said you don't like the best, the word fit, I think, but for me, it's kind of, you know, a good, a good match, like, you know, in terms match, of- Match is a better word, match. Yeah. Now, I was about to say match is a good word, but fit, fit's not a word that, that, that I always like because the problem with that is, and I don't want to go too off course here, you know, we talk about biases in recruiting and a lot of times when we use the word fit, people just naturally kind of tend to hire people that look like them. And I'm not just saying mm. necessarily physically, right? But look like the same background, the same experience. We've worked at some of the same places. What I like to see is people with different experiences coming into an organization to contribute to the greater good bringing different perspectives, different experiences, different viewpoints, because that's what's going to stir conversation. That's what's going to have a healthy debate within a company, right? Because if everybody's on the same experience, we all come from the same place, we're going to be saying the same thing. And what value add does that bring to the, to the conversation internally? If I look at my own experience, when I, when I used to uh, run uh, businesses for others, I think the biggest mistake I've made was when I was running those companies, but I was spending too much time keeping people who were not right for the position. And I knew there was an issue, but I was just thinking about the pain of change. You know, that I have to go and first tell the person, well, you're not, you're not the right fit or match for that, for that position. I need to let you go. And then find someone, go through the, uh, the hiring process, train, train someone. And I think that that thought just prevented me from moving. You know, and I, I really believe it's the biggest mistake I've, I've, I've made. And I see this pattern being repeated in other companies. It's an interesting one, you know, fear, fear of change, right? Because people are mm. comfortable. People don't like being uncomfortable. People don't like, it's not human instinct to put ourselves in a position of being uncomfortable. And I don't think you could really change as a human until you step outside of that comfort zone. Once you step outside of that comfort zone and open yourself up vulnerability to change, to feedback, right? That moves into the world of self-awareness. Be like, okay, now I understand there's some things I'm good at, some things I'm not good at, some things within my company may not be right and I have to accept it and now I have to make the change. That's when the growth happens. You can't have growth without pain, man. I don't care who tells you otherwise, right? There's no growth without pain. I mean, if you think about it in the simplest human form from a physiology perspective, when we're, ba you know, when we're babies, I mean, I have a two-year-old son and, and they go through growth phases where their bones are growing, mm -hmm. right? Like physically, you can't grow without pain and it makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. Same thing so, mentally, fortitude. It's a great, it's a great point. Are, are there any other common mistakes that business leaders and entrepreneurs should avoid when it comes to people and recruiting? 
Yeah, and I, and I truly believe in a perfect world that there should be a continuous pipeline of interviewing, right? An open, an open pipeline. So you're always talking to good people in the market, but also being transparent with them. So if right. you come to my company and say, hey, Adam, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, NHP Talent Group. I would love to discuss any opportunities there. I'd be like, Laurent, unfortunately right now, we're not hiring, but I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to learn more about you, what you bring to the table. So if and when we are in a position to hire, we've already had that conversation and the process will go a lot quicker because we're not starting at zero. You almost mm. think of it like dating, right? We're going to have a few dates under our belt, right? Before we take it to the next yeah. level. Let's go back to your um, experience as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. What key lessons have you learned so far? Yeah, I mean, there's been a bunch. So <laughs> um, it, it, it sounds so cliche, but you really do have to crawl before you walk, right? And mm. there's been a lot of lessons learned there too, where you, know, you, think you're, you, know, you think you could do something better, but you know what? You get humbled and you got to take a few steps back and, and start from scratch. You know, I also learned what it means to scale and outsource. Um, outsourcing, I think, is critically important. And I learned that if there's something that someone else could do quicker, better, and more cost-effective than me spending the time and my value, my hourly rate to learn it, outsource mm -hmm. it. So for me, that's video editing, podcasting, sourcing with recruiting, a lot of these elements. And that helps me scale where I could focus my time and effort on those things that I am great at, which is the business development, the recruiting part of the game you know, building right. out my content calendar for my podcast, you know, working on scripts too, and having a team built out underneath me who could execute against it. So that was a big lesson for me. And I had to figure out the process. You know, I had to figure out what that looked like and build it myself. And then all those other parts of being an entrepreneur, understanding the legal, the, the taxes, the budgeting. Um, mm. You know, it's tough, man. When you go from having a salary at a company, when you know every two weeks you're getting your paycheck, your insurance is covered, all that stuff, to having to figure it out yourself, completely different game. Yes, <laughs> it is very, right. very true. <laughs> and uh, what mistakes have you made? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's been a bunch of them. And I think that, you know, pricing comes into it as well, too. You know, thinking right. about how to price yourself out with clients. Um, underselling, overselling, mm. those are really important, too. Uh, I had to learn, relearn, business development. That was a big one for me too. Cause if you're a, an entrepreneur, you need to have a consistent flow of business coming in. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get stuck in a trap where they'll do biz dev for a period and then they'll stop cause they got some jobs coming in, some business coming in, and then they'll concentrate on executing. You need to have, you know, the rule that I like to do is, you know, either 60, 40 or 70, 30, depending on the economy, 70% executing 30% biz dev, 70% of my time executing my current clients, 30% of the time doing biz dev. Right now, during the time of COVID, when my business is down almost 50% mm. year over year, I've shifted it where it's almost 50-50. Can you tell a little bit more what it takes to do great business development? Yeah, it's, it's being specific, being specific with your target prospects. And ultimately, that comes down to adding value, being invaluable, right? Not always going to somebody with your handout saying, could I have your business right away? Mm. Not saying me, 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 but really understanding what their needs are first. What does this company need and how could I provide a solution for them? That's really where it starts. Now, the, the question is, how do you do that at scale? Like, how do you keep yeah. moving business development along without getting stuck in what we like to call process paralysis, right? Where I'm so concerned on having the perfect message to the perfect client that I'm not moving things along fast enough. And I, you know, I, I work with a fantastic business coach and he's getting me into this mindset of action over perfection. 
Mm-hmm. If you spend all this time trying to be perfect with every single thing, you're not going to execute. You're not going to get anything done. And that's just a complete waste of time. All right. So you work with a business coach. Ah. I do. I like, I, like, I like that. So, 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 so here's what's interesting about coaching, right? Now, listen, you could go over LinkedIn and there's coaches that try to tell you everything, right? <laughs> We're talking about real business coaching. This has nothing to do with LinkedIn. Um, Serena Williams, Beyonce, Tiger Woods, all the best athletes, all the best singers, all the best business people out there. Steve Jobs, they've all had coaches. How do you think someone gets to the top of their game? Mm -hmm. Because you need somebody who could look from the outside in, somebody who has more experience with you, someone who's been in your shoes before and has been incredibly more successful to say, hey, Adam, Laurent, this is what's working. This is what's not. I could see this from an outside perspective and give you the tools to not just succeed, but to get to a point with yourself that you're the one, you know, who's learning, who's teaching yourself, right? Like, all right, mm. I, I see what I did wrong there. Let me course correct. That's the ultimate goal is to empower you to be your best self. Exactly. Thank you for talking about coaching. It's music to my ears. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, listen, and, and it's, I mean, it's been incredible. Like I, so for, let's talk about, let's dig it. Let's dig in a little bit deeper on that. Like I was never taught proper business development techniques and skills. All my early biz dev, which happened with recruiting, was literally leveraging my relationships, folks that I already knew, which is mm. great, but that can't last forever because ultimately you get to a point where you exhaust that list of people and you need to look outside of that for to expand your business development, right? So now I needed to learn the skills, the techniques, the technical elements. How am I going to reach these people? What tools am I going to have? What's messaging? What's the cadence? How am I going to follow up? And that's what I needed a coach for. But right. recognizing that I could not do that on my own, that I did not have those skills. And once again, I had to outsource somebody to teach me that. Great. And, and invest, right? You have to invest into yourself, right? You're mm-hmm. going to spend money. It's not free. People's time costs money. That's another big lesson too, is <laughs> not undervaluing yourself. I, let me ask you a question. Like I at least five to seven times a week, somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, can I pick your brain for 15 minutes? Can I have 20 minutes of your time? Can we speak for half an hour? Yeah, you yeah. can pay me. <laughs> you know, I have other clients paying me for my time. If you, it depends, you know, like, and, and, and I want to sound like a jerk saying that because there's plenty of people that I spend a lot of time with for free to help out. Mm-hmm. But you also have to understand a lot of people are trying to get your attention and thoughts for different reasons. You really have to understand where that's coming from. I, I agree. So what do you want to take your business? What's the, what's the dream? Honestly, you know, I want to make enough money where my wife doesn't have to work. Right. Dead serious about that. You know, I want to get to a point. My wife's an attorney. She works her ass off. Um, you know, she wants to spend more time at home with the kids and be part of their life. And I want to be able to provide that for her. But there's a cost. Hey, listen, I live in New York. It's one of the most mm. expensive places on earth to live. There's a cost of living. There's a price to where I live. And I have to get to a point where, I mean, that's, that's, as, that's as exactly what I want to get. But really where I want to get to is a point where I am, you know, running a business where I feel that I am empowering others to be successful, right? Other independent recruiters, other entrepreneurs in the space, creating a platform for them to have their recruiting business um, and be fruitful and profitable. Is that the trace you want to leave behind you? You're talking about legacy? Yes. Yeah. So, so for me, legacy is, you know, to your point, how I want to be remembered when I leave this earth. And I want to be remembered from leaving it a better place than I found it. And for me, Laurent, that is with my two kids. If I could teach my kids the right way to be good humans, to contribute to society, to do things the right way every time, 
to treat people with respect, um, to be kind, to be conscious, uh, to be generous, but also protect themselves and protect their hearts and be better than my wife and I, mm. then that's my legacy. Mm. It's nice to hear that, you know, I've been talking to these different entrepreneurs uh, on my podcast and also uh, with my work. And what I see is that all these entrepreneurs kind of uh, put a lot of uh, effort in making others successful. As you know, the, the, the people element is really, really at the core of what, of what they do. You right. said it yourself, you want to empower others. That's also my, that's also my why, my purpose. You know, I, want, I want to make other people better because I think they don't realize how much better they can be. Potential. Yeah, but ex ex exactly. And these entrepreneurs, we have, there are hundreds, thousands of us. And I think we don't hear us, we don't hear us enough saying this. And there is this, you know, what we see in the news is this uh, negative uh, image about entrepreneurship coming or business in general coming from the, um, the corporate being very greedy. Right. Do you, do, you feel, do you feel the same? I mean, not really, to be honest. You know, I mean, I feel that, you know, in this day, day and age, well, here, here it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? I don't really feel from the corporate side. Um, but I feel that, you know, a lot of folks older, older than me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 41, but I feel like a lot of folks older than me kind of look down on entrepreneurship as mm. an excuse, right? A lot of kids coming out of school and not even going to college and just thinking it's cool to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start my own business. So I think there's a little, there's a, a, a give and take, there's a push and pull um, coming from that front, from a generational perspective. And I've also seen the complete opposite where, whether it be boomers or even folks older than that, that look in complete awe and say, this is incredible. I love the energy. I love the excitement. I love the hustle. I love the go getness, right? Like all those old school values. So I think there's a combination there, you know, in, in, a, in a perfect world. And, and I think that's what's really interesting about, you know, my generation. I don't know how old you are, um, but I come from the Born in 1979, right? There's an interesting match there where I got brought up on those old school. I learned how to type on a typewriter. I grew yeah. up without phones. I mean, like I grew up without phones. I grew up with VCRs. I grew up yeah. with my phone being attached to a cord to yes. the wall, right? Yes. And, and, and not having social media and growing up where we went outside to play and we weren't just on our phones all day, right? So it's a different thing. But in the same breath, Laurent, we're very tech savvy. Right, I know technology inside and out. I'm up to date on whatever's ticking and talking and the TikToking and all that kind of stuff too. So that makes us very powerful. So there's mm -hmm. there's a mix, there's an ebb and flow to all of it, man. Okay, well I'm the same generation, and I was was in 1976. I'm 44. I know I know what you're saying. We're close. Yeah. We're right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> right, like we, we, appreciate, we appreciate the old school, right? Like those. Yeah. We were taught we were taught a certain way. We grew up with certain business values, but at the same time, we understand technology. And we understand the speed of it. And we understand how it's growing and how to adapt to it and, and come along for the ride. If you don't come along for the ride, man, you're just going to fall off. You're not going to go. You have to stick with it. Mm. Growing your business, um, what are the challenges in front of you? The challenges right now are is the economy, right? Mm. I work in a staffing business and it's really simple. If people aren't hiring, my job is difficult. It's as mm. simple as that. And that changed really quickly. That changed, I can tell you the date. The date was March, March 13th, 2012. That's when everything shut down in business. That's when everything shut down in the US and we went from an economy where there was more jobs open than candidates available. 
right? And that right. is a good recruiting economy to the complete opposite when right now there's a lot more people on the market who are out of work than jobs available, right? So there's not a great need for recruiters. So the toughest part of my job right now is keeping my current clients and growing my business. So how do you grow a business when people aren't hiring? That's a question. That's what everyone's That's asking me. Question. How are you doing this? And it goes back to a word that I said about before. And that word is invaluable. How do you continue to add value to your prospects and your clients without having business or asking for business? Mm. And that's being able to be strategic, taking a look at their social media, taking a look at their, you know, uh, how they stand in the marketplace. What are other people saying about them? Providing trends, providing, you know, informational decks, anything to stay top of mind, Laurent. So when business does open, I'm optimistic and more business starts to come in, you are going to be at the top of their list when they need recruiting. Who are they going to call? Not Ghostbusters, right? They're going to call Adam, right? Uh, see, we're old school. Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. movie, and you <laughs> Ghostbusters into, like, I, I bet you if you if you say who you're going to call to anyone in our generation, immediately they're going to say Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's what right? I was like, thinking about. Like, Ghostbusters, <laughs> who are you going to call? Ghostbusters, right? Like, right? So you get it, right? Like, who they are going to call? They're going to call Adam, right? And then Ghostbusters, and, and that's how it's going to work. <laughs> okay. So does it mean that you have to uh, learn new stuff? Yeah. That is you out of your scope? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to learn, it's interesting too, if you wanna get real technical here, I, I had to relearn how to write email copy for business development. I right. had to learn how to develop a webinar, something I'm working on. I had to write a case study. So all these things that I've never really done before, mm. and I had to learn how to do with the help of my coach because I didn't know how to do it, so I got somebody to help me, mm. right? Some things I could learn on myself. I learned podcasting on my own, right? I figured out how to do all this. You know, I was able to reach back into my memory bank on the marketing and the promotion and everything. But, you know, let's be honest. I mean, there was people that, you know, if I had technical questions, if I needed to know how to post something, how to do something audio or video, I was able to ask. But there was a lot of self-learning in there too. Trial and error, success and failure. Mm -hmm. And what is it that you are the most proud of? In what regards? Professionally, personally? Professionally. That that I've been able to sustain this business and grow it after three years. Um, mm. I've never been more energized, locked in, passionate. Being an entrepreneur opened up something inside of me that I always knew that I had, but wasn't able to access it, right? I didn't have the key mm. to open it up. And it comes down to the word tenacity. And that's a word that I repeat all the time on my show. It's a word that I, tenacity is that fire. Tenacity is what gets you going. Tenacity is what keeps you moving. I could have stopped my show a while ago. Right when COVID hit, my show was growing. COVID hit, my show took a downturn, man, a lot. And I look at my technology, I look at my mm. reports. A lot of people listened to my show when they were commuting on the trains, on the buses, in their cars. And it stopped. But I said, screw it. I continue to put out a show every week because consistency, consistency and persistence is a key to success. How long does it take? It, it, it never ends. It's a, it's a, there's no finish line. There is no finish line. And one, mm. if you think about a finish line, you could have goals. Like I want to get to this level. I want to achieve this amount of success. I want to make this amount of money and then this amount. So it's okay to put goals there because you need goals. Mm. Like for me, it was like get to episode 50 of the podcast, you know, get to over a quarter million dollars in revenue in year two, you know, grow my company X amount, get to episode 100 of the podcast, you know, build out the studio, buy new equipment, having all these marks that I wanted to hit are things that you aspire to and you need to have those, but there is no finish line. So if you think about everything that you know, it's my favorite question, by the way, that everything that you know now, what would you have done differently? And I'm talking about your, your entrepreneurship experience here. 
Yeah, I would have, um, I maybe would have listened to some advice or some people earlier on, you know, people that knew more than me instead of thinking maybe that I knew it all. And that's a problem that I've had my whole life thinking that I'm a know-it-all and it certainly changed as I've gotten older, um, <laughs> especially early on. You know, I, I think that there were some opportunities that I might've missed. Um, I think there were some things I could have done differently. I could have focused more on the biz dev early on. You know, I've been at this game. I just celebrated three years of my own company, you know, mm -hmm. being my own, my own boss, my own company, being a real true entrepreneur. Uh, and I think if I listened to advice early on, I would be in a different place, but you can't look back at that, man. You'd hurt your neck looking back, right? You can't look back because those are moments where you learn and you need to have those learning. You're always learning. You're not going to know it all on day one. Mm. You have to learn. Mm. So keep on learning. Keep learning and keep listening. It really comes down to listening. And I mean active listening, like really truly yeah. listening to people who want you to be better. Right. Would that be the one recommendation that you would give to other entrepreneurs? Um, I think listening is absolutely key. Uh, I think on a tactical basis. Um, so when I moved into recruiting and I went from, you know, being on a salaried position, making good money, consistent paycheck to being in a sales role where it's commission based mm. and you eat what you kill. My boss, my mentor in recruiting a gentleman by the name of Tom Hall uh, on my first day of recruiting, he said to me before I even started, he goes, every morning I want you to repeat this. Plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. So every morning when I get up, I know what I need to accomplish for the day. I'm going to plan my work and then I'm going to work my plan. Here's what mm. I need to do. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. And I do something really simple, whether it be a piece of paper, or a little yellow post-it note. I write down what I'm going to do. I have it on my notebook over here. And if I could get done 75, 80%, listen, things happen during the day, distractions, you know, this curveball, yeah. things happen. But if I could get done the majority of my things every day, I accomplished it and I know I'm moving things forward that need to get done. And on those days when you get that entire checklist done and you can take that piece of paper and crumple it up and throw it against the wall into the trash bin, there's nothing better than that. Plan your work and work your plan. Be focused, be disciplined, be organized and get shit done. You uh, mentioned, uh, you talk about your podcast. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yes, the podcast, Career and Life Journeys with your host, Adam Posner. Yes, so the podcast started out on a whim where I recorded a networking call um, with someone in my, in my network who I've never spoken to before. And it was interesting. It was kind of okay. It wasn't great. Um, and I knew I could do better. And I mm -hmm. said, listen, I have an incredible network of folks that work in HR, talent acquisition, recruiting, talent access, um, diversity and inclusion, folks from my career. And I have an opportunity to create a canvas, a platform. And that's really what the show is. It's a canvas and a platform to shine a light on these people where they could share their stories, talk about team building, talk about culture, talk about, you know, their own career journeys where they had, you know, the successes, the failures, they had to reach down deep inside to harness that tenacity. And that's what the show is about. Um, and it really took an interesting turn where, you know, I was, I was very focused on like HR, talent, all those people. And then I started to get some guests in from the world of sports. You know, different, different elements in life, politics as well, too. And it shifted a little bit more to those, those life journeys because everyone has a story. Yes. Everyone has something to share. Everyone has lessons. And what I wanted to do was create this arena for people to share that. And that's what the show is all about. And it's very conversational, you know, kind of like what we're doing now. You know, we're just, you know, two guys just talking about life and entrepreneurship and keep it open and keep it flowing. And ultimately, 
find that magical formula between entertaining and educating. And it's a tough balancing act, but uh, I think I've done it well, almost 100 episodes. Nice. Do you have any uh, books you would recommend or people to uh, follow on social media? Oh man, um, it's so crazy. So I, I used to read a lot more before my kids mm. were born. And then I found that my relaxing time is literally watching Netflix and mindless television <laughs> with my wife. We, we've had this conversation before. It's like, she likes to read and she still reads a lot, but we love to just completely like detach and watch yeah. terrible television. But people to follow on social media, I mean, there, there, there's, some, there's some good ones. I mean, Ray Dalio is fantastic. Ray Dalio's mm -hmm. principles are absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm a huge Gary Vee fan. I think with Gary Vee, it's, it's, there's some things that really truly resonate because he speaks from the heart. Some things work with some people, some things do not. Mm -hmm. um, I've kind of learned also to not really follow too many people. You know, I like to form my own opinions and thoughts. Uh, I learned through osmosis, you know, I'll pick up little things here and there, but I never take anybody's word as gospel, man. Mm-hmm. It's not the way I operate. All right, fair enough. Last question, how can people contact you? Absolutely, you can find me on LinkedIn, Adam J. Posner. You can find me, the company page, nhptalentgroup.com, and the podcast is thepodcast.com, available on all of your favorite listening platforms. Excellent, well, thank you very much, Adam, for your time today, I really enjoyed your conversation. Laurent, thank you so much for having me, my man, I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. If you have any questions for my guest or myself, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, send an email to contact at laurentotin.com or reach out on LinkedIn. See you next time. Bye-bye.